Hi, everyone. We're about to make a start, so if you would like to come and take a seat for a lifestyle of worship, prayer, the language of God. So, sorry, do you want to say that again to me? What's the... Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so come and take a seat, everyone. I am sorry, I'm going to use my phone because I want to make sure that I tell you absolutely everything that I can about Carla Harding. So I've got it recorded. So Carla is National Director for 24-7 Prayer in Great Britain. She lives in Chichester here in the UK with Steve and her two children, Jackson and Eloise. And this is how she came to the Lord. She was hijacked by God in 1999 during her first two-hour stint in, in a 24-7 prayer room. That's not how she came to the Lord, but it's how she came into this movement. She unsurprisingly loves prayer and worship. She loves friends and food, a well-told story and international adventures. And she loves a good challenge. She's an active member of Revelation Church and a lead singer in a function band. But that's another story. I'm sure she's going to impart so much treasure to us today. At David's Tent, we are so, so passionate, as you all know, about worship and super, super passionate about prayer. So without further ado, I'm going to hand the mic over to Carla Harding. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Bobby. Hello everyone. First of all, can I say thank you for coming and sitting in a hot tent on this lovely, beautiful but boiling afternoon. I really appreciate it. Bobby did a brilliant job of introducing me. I am part of the 24-7 prayer movement. I've kind of grown up in it. I'm 36 now. I'm a grown-up married with a mortgage. But when I was 18 years old and I first went to university, I was a Christian. My parents came to know the Lord when I was a child, quite dramatically. They raised me in the church. I knew who God was. I loved him. But I felt like I didn't know him very well. Have you ever had a point in your walk with God where maybe you felt like that? I knew about him. I really enjoyed church and events with other Christians. But if anyone asked me about my personal walk with Jesus and my day-to-day conversation, sharing life with him, I would die. I would dread it. Please don't talk to me about prayer. Just this big wall of guilt would come down here because I sucked at it really bad. What Bobby said is true, though. I've come to love spending time with God one-on-one in conversation. And that happened because I had my whole understanding of prayer flipped on its head in a 24-7 prayer room. Can I, anybody here been in a 24-7 prayer room or anything like it? Yeah, a few, yay. Hello, friends. 24-7 prayer rooms, if you don't know them, came from a bunch of people, probably much like you guys, with a heart to meet with God, with a heart to see his kingdom come in our city. But we weren't seeing much happen because we didn't pray. And I don't know about you guys, if you've noticed this connection, but when God's people pray, God moves. So I come from a church where we don't do things by halves. We decided not just to call a prayer meeting or do some teaching on prayer. We decided to take a room in our building 
Fill it with art materials, worship music, instruments, songs, scripture, ideas, suggestions. And then start praying through the night and day for a month without stopping. We took our slots and people would go on their own or with their friends and family to pray for an hour. And in this big chain, in this prayer room, we filled what ended up being, was it about three months, Helen? About three months with non-stop prayer with just our church. It was the most wonderful learning experience ever. I say that now, but I did not say that at the beginning. <laughs> Remember 18-year-old me, dreaded being asked about my prayer life, found prayer incredibly difficult. I would try and pray, and it would go something like this. <laughs> Assume the holy constipated position. <laughs> Please, Lord, are you there? I really need help with, oh, what's for dinner? And being really honest, that still happens to me from time to time. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. I'm easily distracted. For me, one of the greatest challenges in prayer was staying focused. And the more I found prayer hard, the more guilty I felt about it. The more guilty I felt about it, the less I wanted to spend time alone with God. Because I thought I'd have to do a whole bunch of repenting and getting over it. This is probably just all of my <laughs> inner head noise, guys. You're probably all looking at me going, wow, weird, uh, before I actually met with him. But that was my challenge. So when they started this 24-7 prayer room in our church and I arrived as a fresher in Chichester and rocked up to the church and heard about it and there was a woman at the front going, who's going to pray tonight at 3 a.m.? I was like, are you nuts? No, I will be in bed. And I managed to keep that up. Oh, it was weeks, maybe it was a month. I avoided the prayer room like the plague. It's one of God's great ironies that one of the people that avoided it the most is now serving in the leadership of it in the UK now. You can use a screw-up like me. You can use anybody, hey? After a few weeks, or however long it was, a good friend of mine said, I think you'd like the prayer room. It's not what you're expecting. Why don't you come with me on my prayer hour? Stay for five minutes. And if you leave, it's okay. You have not broken the chain of prayer. That was a big deal to me. So I said, okay. I walked into the room and it was like nothing I expected. It was a riot of color. There was, it's kind of like walking into the corner of the tent in there with all the paintings. There was so much on the wall by people who were beautiful artists and people like me who can just about manage a stick man. But everything that was on the walls, everything that was written, everything that had been painted, all the prayers that had been posted, this, this room filled with life. I suddenly realized I had to completely rethink what I thought prayer could be. That's why I'm here today. The 24-7 prayer movement, um, we kind of say, we thought it was just a good idea for our church, but it turned out it was a good idea for the church. The idea spread, started popping up in churches all over the world. Today there have been, oh, I've lost count, over 12,000 prayer rooms we know about around the world and over half the nations on earth. They've started going into businesses and shop fronts and universities and police stations and even a brewery in Missouri. I wanted to visit that one. Um, it started going into the US Naval Academy. People discovered that anywhere they could find a room, anywhere that people could go for an hour, people could pray in a chain as a community, nonstop, seeking God, seeking his presence, learning to pray by praying. 
24-7 is prayer for amateurs. Experts, very welcome. I am one of the thousands of people learning to pray still around the world. My most common prayer is still, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to meet with you. If you had asked me at 18 years old to give you a definition of what is prayer and what is worship and how do the two interact, I probably could give you an answer. I've always been a bit gobby. I've always been fairly confident. It wouldn't have been very thought through and it probably wouldn't have been very good, but I probably could have given you an answer. 18 years later, yes, I am 36. If you were to ask me the same question, I don't know if I could answer it so neatly. Because prayer and worship has been part of my journey for the last 18 years. I used to think of them like two siblings growing up in the same family attending the same family gatherings, but separate. Now, I think of them more like a marriage. The ebb and flow of prayer and worship are almost like two sides of the same thing. Both pursue the presence of God. Both inform and strengthen one another. The more I pursue God in prayer, the more my eyes are open to exactly who he is, how much he loves, and I cannot help but pour out in worship to him. The more I worship God and encounter his presence and thank him and praise him and acknowledge his majesty, I cannot help but want to point that majesty and power toward the people and situations that need him. Prayer and worship for me They're hard to separate. But the common thread that runs through both is intimacy. And intimacy is the key for turning prayer and worship from a religious duty to a living, breathing relationship. When Jesus taught his friends to pray, in response to what I was just saying, my prayer normally is, Lord, teach us to pray. He started with two words. Two words? Our Father. Before he talked about intercession, petition, confession, spiritual warfare, and that prayer is immensely deep. Before he talked about all of that, he established one thing, first and foremost. Relationship. The perfect father relationship. For some of us, that's not an easy picture. Maybe our experience of Father hasn't been a great one on earth. But Jesus, in that prayer and in his whole life, death and resurrection, invites us into that relationship. Into a relationship with a perfect Father who wants intimacy with us. How we cultivate that intimacy is actually what I'd love to explore together today. Before I go any further, should we pray? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and guide us. Holy Spirit, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I thank you for the journey you've taken them on, for what you've been teaching them, for what they know of you, for what they bless the rest of the body with. Holy Spirit, we open this time up to you now. 
We want your plan. We want your word. We want your intimacy. Father God, we want to step closer, lean in, draw nearer to you. Holy Spirit, would you show us how we can do that, not just at phenomenal gatherings of your body like this, but on Tuesday morning when we wake up in our own beds, when we head back to work or college, look after the kids or whatever the day faces us. That is where I want your intimacy most. Come, Holy Spirit. Recently, God's been talking to me about intimacy through my son. I've got two kids. Eloise is one. She's a little darling. If you see me around, she's usually like sitting in front of me, beaming out at the world in her carrier. And my son, Jackson, who's four, he's going to start school in a week and a half, and I am not ready. He is full of energy and life. You cannot keep him still. He is the most lovely, affectionate, happy, and yes, at times infuriating little man. I love him dearly. Just recently, when I was journaling and spending some time with the Lord, he reminded me of something that Jackson and I share. And it spoke to me so deeply about the intimacy we pursue with the Father. I'm just going to actually read you what I wrote in my journal when God spoke to me about this. When Jackson tells me, or wants to tell me, he loves me, he tells me he has something to whisper in my ear. I bend down, he brings his mouth to my ear and he whispers, I love you. I cannot help but turn my head and whisper back, I love you. I could shout it at him across the room and it would be just as true but I cherish these moments. Being so physically close that I can see the joy in his eyes, sharing something that only we can hear. It's precious. As he draws near to me, I cannot help but draw near to him, listen, to respond, to love him. This is how you, Father God, feel about me, about us. You are the loving Father who spanned every gap, removed every barrier so we can whisper in your ear. Never have I failed to bend down and listen when Jackson says he has something to tell me, even though I know what it is. You, Lord, never fail to do the same. Help me find more moments of intimacy to whisper in your ear. When my son does that, and I know it's not going to last long. <laughs> oh, gosh, it makes me melt. I don't know if there's anybody here, whether you've got children or you've got a niece or a nephew, but when they look at you just to stop to tell you spontaneously they love you, it's like, and I'm mush. I mean, that's just me. And the complete involuntary response it brings back to me to go, I love you too. God just took that picture and said, do you see? That's me. Let's find more moments to whisper. As I was reflecting on this, and I was journaling and praying, it reminded me of the prophet Elijah and his encounter with God in 1 Kings 19. Go with me for a minute. It's a little bit of a tangent. It will make sense. Elijah is fleeing for his life. Jezebel and others have slaughtered the prophets. 
He has been threatened. He is taking off across the wilderness, getting as far away from danger as he can. And it's fair to say, I think, he's pretty down. He even sounds like he's ready to give up. He finds himself in a cave in a mountain. And God says to him, Oh, where is it? There it is. What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you ever feel like God asks you the most obvious question in the world? <laughs> like, you are God, you have seen all of this, I am here. <laughs> but Elijah pours out all the pain, all the fear, all the problems. And what does God say? The Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain, in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I don't know about you, but if I got that message from the Lord, I'd be quaking in my boots or flip-flops. The Lord is about to pass by. I wonder if that's what Elijah had expected. He's fleeing for his life. He's terrified. He's, he sounds pretty tired to me, like he's been fleeing across the wilderness. He tells God what's happening, and God's response is, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. I'm coming near this is what 1 Kings 19 tells us happens next. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Why? Why did God whisper? Do you ever read passages like that and just stop and go, huh? <laughs> What's wrong with the wind? Why wasn't he in the earthquake? And we know he's been in fire. Like you just have to read the account of Sinai when God comes down in his glory in front of the Israelites and they're all terrified because there's like lightning and fire and smoke and ha. So we know he shows up in those big, dramatic, glory-filled way. But in this moment, he doesn't show those ways to make himself known. Instead, he whispers... I don't know about you, but in the past, when God's gone quiet, my biggest fear is that he's distant. I can't hear him very well because he's far away over there. But reading this and reflecting on what he'd said to me about my son, it kind of hit me. What if God's going quiet, not because he's somewhere way over there, but because he's right here and he wants me to do this. What if God whispers to us because he wants us to draw closer, to tell us something only we can hear so that we can whisper something back to him in this precious, private, intimate way? For me, that is one of the most beautiful invitations to spend time with the Lord I've ever had from him. Beautiful invitation to look again at how I pray, how I worship, how I spend time alone in my relationship with him. John Dawson said this, 
Everybody prays. The difference when Christians pray is they're climbing into the lap of their Heavenly Father. That's the kind of prayer I want to nurture in my life. Not prayer as a duty or prayer as a slog, and that's not to say there aren't times of perseverance or times to push through or times we come up against things. But if that's all prayer ever feels like, I think there's something more to be discovered. In James 4, we get the invitation. Come near to God and he will come near to you. We don't have to be in a phenomenal place. We all know that. The context of that verse in James is actually one of repentance, an invitation to repentance and come near. For Elijah, he's not on top of the world. He is fleeing for his life. No matter what our situation, no matter how we are feeling, no matter whether we think our walk with God is going phenomenally or not, the invitation remains the same. Come near to me, I'll come near to you. That is what I've spent the last 18 years trying to work out, trying to explore, experiment with. How do I draw near to God? How do I draw nearer to God? How do I keep that focus in my personal life? I don't know if you guys have ever spoken about prayer, but it's a little bit of an intimidating subject. There's so much you could cover. You talk about intercession, you could talk about warfare, you could talk about so many different things. But today, with our remaining time, here's what I'd love to do with this. I'd like to talk about a foundation that helps us establish that intimacy, that drawing near, that then all that other stuff can surf off. Because I feel like if we have that relationship, if we feel like we know how, honestly, when we're spending that time with God, one-on-one in our prayer lives, where we don't have anyone we can dress it up to, it's just us and God. If we feel confident that we know how to draw near to him, everything else we can work out. Carry us through a lot of seasons in life, at least it has me. So here's what I'd love to explore with you guys today. How can we foster intimacy There's probably loads of ways and way smarter people than me that could teach phenomenally on this, but I just want to share three things that have really helped me. One, finding our connection. Two, developing our rhythm. And three, testing our balance. Let's explore them together. Okay, what do I mean by finding our connection? I really believe that every single person on earth, let alone this room, is made to connect with God, is made to walk and talk with him. However, we are all very, very different. When I was taught to pray growing up, the way I was taught to pray was fantastic, but I found it really hard for a very extroverted, easily distractible person Praying early in the morning, silently, with my eyes closed, completely in my head, was like telling me, an amateur runner, to go run a marathon. (laughs) I found it so difficult. And I thought, therefore, because I cannot pray in the traditional quiet time method, I must be very bad at prayer. What I didn't realize, but what the first prayer room kind of opened me up to, was there's no one way to pray. There's no one right method to connect with God. There is a big, open invitation to connect with him. And we, we get this, don't we? 
Can I just do a straw poll in this room? When you spend time with God, hands up if you speak aloud. Anyone here speak aloud? Great. Hands up if you think your prayers. If you think is here, great. Hands up if you're a singer, if you sing to the Lord. Brilliant. I like the two hands up over there. Enthusiastic. Hands up if you um, move your prayers. Any dancers or movers here? Brilliant. Hands up if you draw or paint or create in prayer. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. How, what other ones could there be that I noted down? Actually, that's quite a lot. <laughs> Even within this room, if you were just to go around, if I stop talking now and talk to everybody, there will be so much diversity in our experience, so many ways that we could connect with God. I didn't quite get this, though, and that maybe I had not found my connection point until my friend Lyndall Bywater, who's a super wise woman, talked to me about birds. This will make sense, I promise you. She told me that there are certain big, like, birds of prey, like eagles, the majestic ones with huge wings, that when they migrate, have this really neat trick. Is anyone here a Planet Earth fan and likes discovering these things? Yeah, I love them too. Massive birds like this, who are trying to cover like a thousand kilometers in a day, have one thing on their minds. How can I go high and far using as little energy as possible? Here's how they do it. When the sun is beating down like today on the ground, it creates this thing called hot air thermals. The air gets warm and then it starts to spiral upwards as it gets more energy. And the birds, they find these thermals. They fly into them, they spread their wings, and they go straight up in the sky, high as they can go. And then they glide as far as they can before they have to start flapping and working and using energy. Why am I talking to you like I'm David Attenborough? I should have used a different accent. Well, Lyndall said to me, Carla, your prayer life is like that bird but you're flapping too much. <laughs> you're trying to pray in a way that's a challenge to you. There is nothing wrong with that. I just want to be really clear. Disciplining ourselves, pushing into something that's a challenge is a phenomenal thing to do to build muscle and depth and discipline in our lives, and I am 100% for it and do it myself. But if you find prayer hard, if all you're doing is this, Because you're somebody who needs silence and solitude to soar, and all you ever do is pray in a noisy, distracting place. Or you're somebody like me who finds them early in the morning in silence the hardest place to focus without your mind going everywhere else. Actually, maybe you just need to find a different way, a different place, a different how to connect. What if you're not bad at prayer? What if you're just starting from the wrong place? Now, to you guys, this may sound incredibly obvious, but to me it was like a dun-dun-dun. And it's been one of the things that has totally, yeah, I think it's completely not exaggerating to say this, totally transformed my private relationship with God. Working out where my hot air thermals are. What are the things that quickly zoom me up into the awareness of the presence of God? He's always there. We're not always aware of it, though, are we? 
what quickly makes me aware of the presence of God so that anything else I want to do from that point, push in, intercede, talk to him honestly, sit in his presence, whatever it is, I'm surfing off connection with him. It took me a while to find mine. I still at times feel like my prayer life is a lot of flapping, because let's be honest, we go through seasons of life. Flapping is good for us. I need to build the guns, spiritually as well as physically. (laughs) But I truly believe that nobody in life is bad at prayer and that every single person is made to connect with God and have an intimate relationship with the Father where you can hear that whisper, I love you, and you can whisper back, I love you too. If we were willing to experiment a little. Experimenting is kind of my middle name at the moment. Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. If you need permission to experiment in your prayer life, thank you, Paul. There it is. The spirit is the key. The how, the when, the what, the why is a great open invitation. So let's always stay learners experimenters, explorers, discoverers in our personal prayer life. It's easy, well, for me, it's easy to do in a context like this where the most incredible ways and opportunities to connect with God are put on for me. But when I go home and it's just me and him, I want to bring my best exploration to that time. Digging deep into him, my father. The Bible shows great diversity in how people interacted with the Father in prayer or with Jesus the person. I'm going to list just five to you. We're going to actually try praying like they prayed, just to give you some ideas that you might want to take home with you. They may all be really obvious and you've tried them before. In that case, just enjoy having a little bit of prayer time without me talking. The first person that I often think of when I think about how I like to pray is Mary. There are lots of Marys, but the Mary I'm talking about is Mary sister of Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus. There's that beautiful moment in Luke 11 where Mary and Martha have that interaction about whether Mary should or should not be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, that story has so many beautiful, deep layers to it about the role of a woman in that society and what Jesus was saying or about, you know, learning and sitting at Jesus' feet. But just for now, I want to put all that aside and just look at what Mary's doing. It is inappropriate for her to be there. There is a lot more she could be doing. But she chooses to sit and be. I'm not very good at sitting and being. (laughs) But the more I've learned and pursued it, the more depth I have found in it. So we're going to try it now. We're going to try, in amongst the noise over here and everything that's happening out there, being still. And here's just a tiny little way. If you find being quiet and being still before the Lord really difficult, then I'm just going to give you one little tip. There's these brilliant things called breath prayers. Anybody here ever use breath prayers? One or two? Yay! Breath prayers are awesome. They're from like the ancient, ancient tradition of the church. Basically, all it means is you take one word, one very simple phrase, and if your mind starts to wander... 
you just say that phrase. Okay? We're going to use the word Father. We're going to take one minute to sit in silence. Just be with the Lord. Just try and be like Mary sitting before him. And if your mind wanders, just whisper the word Father and let it bring you back to him. Okay? Let's go. Who here felt like I said, okay, and you went, that's not a minute, that was way too short? Anybody here, hands up? Oh, okay, cool. So maybe being still in the Lord might be something for you guys. Anyone here who was like, oh my gosh, this has to be five minutes? That's me. I, I'm going to be honest, I checked the clock like three times. That's what I mean by this for me is one of my disciplines, but one I absolutely love. So you've got Mary who loves to sit at the feet of Jesus. I was thinking this week about Daniel. In the Old Testament, there's lots we learn about Daniel. But in Daniel 6, yay, 6, we hear the story of how Daniel is under threat of death if he doesn't stop praying and honoring and worshipping God. Do you remember the story? It ends in a lion's den and Daniel coming out unscathed. The thing I always find amazing about Daniel is even under the threat of death, he remains faithful to intimacy with the Father, to honoring him to prayer. He remains three times a day going to his room with the window that faces Jerusalem and sitting down to pray. That is faithfulness beyond me. (laughs) Praying three times a day in a rhythm, in a structure, being faithful to that. And it obviously brings Daniel life. Is there anyone else here in the room that's just a really kind of, do you know what? My life with God is best if I just stick to the same time every day. And you know what? I stick to similar prayers or a similar structure of way of approaching him. Anybody else? Anybody here? Yeah, great. There is something about structure and rhythm and routine that for many of us just starts to plumb the depths downwards, builds faithfulness. Regularity builds deeper connection. I've got a way you could try that this week. If you're somebody who actually finds like really structured prayer quite difficult, here's a really fun little way you can give it a go. If you've got your phone on you, and you're up for this, I'm not going to make anyone do this. Um, on my phone, I have an alarm. It goes off every day but Sunday, because I don't like interrupting the preacher at church. At 12 noon, just goes off. I am sometimes at work, at 24-7, which is the easiest time for the alarm to go off. I am sometimes out with the kids, I'm sometimes on a train. But when this alarm goes off, I challenge myself to pray the Lord's Prayer. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. Now, some days, I pray it like this. Oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Other days, I may be out in public, and actually, I just look like that lunatic who talks to themselves walking down the road. Oh, Father in heaven. Mm, Yeah. Yes, you are. That is me. My husband starts doing this. Okay. And sometimes the thing I love is my son now loves the Lord's Prayer and he can pray it because he's heard mummy's alarm go off so much. And I probably haven't been the best witness because I probably have too many times gone, oh, Father in heaven, I'll be there. But the structure has actually been a brilliant interruption in my life. An interruption to go, whatever I'm doing, God is here and he deserves my focus and my attention and my time. So I invite you, we won't do it right now, but if you would like to, to get your phone out, to set an alarm at whatever time works best for you, And to commit, maybe just try it for a week. What is it like to interrupt your day with something you stick to? Digging in in prayer with a rhythm, a routine. 
Next, I have always been inspired by David. You can't be at David's tent and not mention David, let's face it. He was a phenomenal, well, oh my gosh, there's so many things you could talk about David and his relationship with God. I am just going to talk about his creativity. I'm just going to narrow it down to there, okay? It is obvious just from reading the Psalms that David was an incredibly creative person. And when he was passionate, that passion and that love, or when he was in fear, or when he was angry, or when he was lamenting, however he was feeling, he crafted and he created with it. One of the ways we know he did that is in song or poem, because that's a whole book of the Bible we have about it. Then when I asked earlier who here moves or draws or paints or sculpts, I loved how many hands went up. I am an horrific drawer. When my husband wants a laugh, he gets me to draw a dog because it's just terrible. My son is four and very soon he will be better than me. He's very good at transformers. And uh, <laughs> very good, I'm very proud. Um, I am not good like artistically. If you were to look at something I produced, you'd be like, hmm. If you're being encouraging, you'd be like, four out of ten. But I actually do love to move. And I do sometimes draw or paint for the Lord because it's for him. It's not for a critic. And there is something about creating that reflects the creativity of the creator. It is a beautiful place to connect with God. But it was one of the last places I thought of transplanting into my daily prayer life. Painting was for when I went to prayer rooms. But I don't get to go to a prayer room every day or even every week. How can we bring space for creativity into our daily or weekly walk with God, especially if it's something that you connect with? I'm going to give you a moment now. We're going to take another minute. Many of you have got bits of paper and journals. Some of you got smartphones. Or maybe you could just use the old noggin. I want you to write something to God. If you don't know where to start, pick something you're grateful for. Talk to him about it. Or pick something about him that has impacted you today. Talk to him about it. No one is going to read it. You do not have to show a single person what you have got here. But we're just going to take a minute now. Let's mimic David. Let's pour out whatever is in your mind that you want to say to God in the written word. Writing, though I'm not terribly artistic, writing for me is one of the ways I really love connecting with God, journaling, streams of consciousness stuff, and trying lots of different ways of doing it. For those of you who sat there, looked at the pen and paper and went, oh, I have to write something, and just didn't know what to do. It's okay if that's you. Maybe this is more of a discipline for you than your connection point. But have a think, if you loved that, if you were dying not to stop, how can you bring creativity into just your daily walk with God, not just events or meetings? Fourth person I just want to mention, I'll do it quickly, is the Apostle Peter. I really relate to Peter. He either, well, maybe not this bit, this sounds really, really proud. I was about to say, I really relate to Peter because he either gets it really, really right. Because I get it really right. It's more this bit I relate to. Or he gets it spectacularly wrong. <laughs> Whatever he does, he does it with all his heart. I love that about him. If you look at uh, the transfiguration in Matthew 17, it's when Jesus takes Peter and a few friends up the mountain, and then suddenly they see his glory, and he's standing there with Moses and Elijah, and I cannot imagine what that must have been like to be there. But Peter's like this, oh, 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 oh God, this is really good. We should stay. I'm going to build tents. That is Peter. And God's like, chill, chill, it's all right, you know. 
Peter needed to act, interact, get involved. That's how I think from reading the Bible. I am not a psychologist, and obviously these are snapshots of his life, but that's what I see when I read into him. And I really relate. I'm like a Labrador puppy. I'm going to build it, Lord, you know. And my husband's like, okay, the introvert going, let's calm that and take it down a notch. But actually, if, that, if you relate to that at all, if you are somebody that feels most alive when you are able to act and interact, then think about bringing your physicality into your prayer. Here's a really cool way my friend Pete did it with me the other day. Make a fist. Look at this fist and think about something that is either worrying you or is a concern you're bringing to God right now. I'm going to give you a moment. Think of something. Hopefully everyone's got something in their mind. Now I want you to clench that fist as tight as you can. And I want you, as you keep clenching, don't let it go, don't let it go. Keep it tight, as tight as you can make it. Pray to God and ask him to intervene in this situation, this thing that is worrying or concerning you. Now let it go. As we let this go, Lord, we say we trust that you hear our prayers. We know that you have compassion. We know that you move. We release those prayers, those needs, those burdens, those worries to you now, and we ask you to act, good Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody quite enjoy that? Well, <laughs> feeling a bit, oh. Anybody quite enjoy that? Yeah? Why don't we use our physicality in our quiet times? Quiet times can, if they work for you, look like sitting down and being quiet. But why couldn't quiet times look like getting physical? Moving around, using posture. We are whole beings and all of us are made to connect with God. Final person I'm just going to highlight is Jesus. Because you can't really talk about prayer and connecting with the Father without talking about him. Next time you're reading the Gospels, pay attention to the way Jesus prays. It's incredible. He prays in so many occasions in so many different ways. He is like, seems to be like the chief experimenter, ready to connect with the Father wherever, whenever he is. The one thing I just want to highlight to you while you are on the beautiful grounds of Whiston House is this. Do you remember that account of the night Jesus was arrested? Do you remember where he went when he was arrested? Yeah, I said somebody whisper it, Gethsemane. Now we used to think... So Jesus was going to be arrested, and he kind of knew it was coming, so he went to a garden to pray? Why's that? But I noticed recently this one sentence in the account of it in Luke 22. It said, Jesus went out as usual to the garden. As usual. Jesus loved going there to pray. It's how Jesus knew, Judas knew to go look for him there. This is where you could go find him. If you love nature... If being outside this weekend is good for your soul, how could you weave being outdoors into your personal prayer and worship and connection and intimacy with God? All I have to do is walk along the beach near our house, West Witterings, or near our city, and I immediately feel my soul soar to the Lord. 
Now, I just chose five examples from the Bible. There are so, so many. If you are finding prayer a challenge at any point in your life, why don't you experiment? As you read the word, why don't you notice how it accounts different people interacting with the Lord and how they did it? If you want to develop some sort of connection as well as reading the word, ask yourself this question. When am I most aware of the presence of God? When do I most feel connected to him? Think honestly, when was the last time I really felt connected to him? And then find ways to weave wherever you were and whatever you were doing. Experiment. Bring them into your today, if you can, or into this week. Ask friends in your church family how they connect with God. My friend Pete, who I mentioned earlier, he, uh, I don't know if he still does, but for a while he was carrying a dice around in his pocket because he wanted to use found time. You know this concept of found time everyone talks about, you know, sitting on the loo. Instead of looking at BuzzFeed, he gets it, well, actually, I shouldn't say this, I've got no idea if he does it on the loo. For me, that would be one idea, but sorry. Um, whatever, let's say in a queue then, <laughs> somewhere else. When he's somewhere and he's just wasting time and normally the time you'd reach for your phone or do something else to entertain yourself, he pulls a dice out of his pocket. He rolls it. Each number on that dice is connected to someone or something he wants to pray about. We nicked his idea. This is what we use as a family at bedtime some nights. We've got lots of different things we have in a box. This is our dice that my one-year-old and my four-year-old can roll with different ideas of how to pray. And we came up with it because we listened to a friend about how he prayed. If you want ideas, if you want to experiment, ask the people you know. What do you do when you're alone with God? What, what works for you? Ask other streams of the church. Read other streams' books. Learn how they pray, because maybe they may just have gold for you. I'm really aware of the time, so I'm just going to skip through these last two things. I've mentioned finding your connection, and I've deliberately dwelt on it quite a bit. But I also think it's important to develop a rhythm with God. Now, even if you are not somebody who thrives, saying getting up at 6 a.m. every morning, um, I have a beautiful friend here today who, is, who inspires me always with her faithfulness to God. She gets up early in the morning and spends time with him every day, and I love that about her. And it obviously brings real richness and depth to her. That's what I see when I look at her. But my husband Steve is an atheist when he wakes up in the morning. I am not kidding you, and I'm not, he told me this. About an hour after he gets up, he says he's agnostic. <laughs> and when he's had a coffee, hallelujah, he's saved. <laughs> Now, just because for Steve, first thing in the morning is a disaster for his personal prayer time, does not mean he doesn't want to build a rhythm. Doesn't mean he doesn't want discipline. He just needs to find a time that maybe suits him better. Maybe it's lunchtime on your lunch break. Maybe it's nighttime before you go to sleep. Maybe it's interrupting your day in little ways so that you are trying to make yourself as constantly as possible aware of God. I read someone recently describe our quiet prayer times with God not as the prayer time we have for the day, but as the connection, the plug-in point. So the rest of our day, the rest of our life is the prayer and worship. I loved it. When is your plug-in point in your day? When is your plug-in point in your week? And where are they in your year? Let's develop rhythms, not just one beat, but like that drum going over there, several beats of daily encounter, of weekly encounter, of annual encounter, of seasonal encounter. How are we pursuing God at different times in our lives? I'm sorry, I have to skip on so I can't unpack that anymore. 
And lastly, testing our balance. A life soaked in intimacy with God in prayer and worship cannot be contained. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm going to illustrate it. Everybody, if you're able physically, can you take a deep breath in and hold it for as long as you can? Okay, ready? Sorry, it's slightly cheating. (laughs) As you need to, I'm not going to kill you all. Breathe out when you're ready. Okay, when you fill your lungs with air, what do they naturally want to do? Breathe out. Okay, we're going to do the opposite. As much as you are able, again, please nobody pass out. (laughs) Breathe as you need to, but if you want to join us in this, take a deep breath and breathe out for as long as you can. Ready? Okay, take a breath in. There's a few people that are like going red. <laughs> Please breathe in. Okay, as you breathe out and expel the air, what does your body naturally want to do? Breathe in. In Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? There is a connection. Go with me. He said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And second to this, love your neighbor as yourself. He put those two together, loving God, loving others. They're like an ebb and flow, seeking God in prayer and worship and intimacy, pouring out love in mission, mercy, justice, friendship, service. Love the Lord your God, breathe in. Love your neighbor as yourself, breathe out. Now, let's be honest, we probably all prefer one or the other, right? Most of my friends do. Most of us either have a particular passion for pursuing God's presence, or we're like, no, man, the church has just got to get out there, okay? But can I suggest to you that if all we do is pursue God's presence, we're only living half the life Jesus invited us into, But similarly, if all we do is try and meet the needs of everybody we come to and share the gospel and we never breathe in in God's presence, we are going to run into our limitations so fast. Breathe in and inhale God's spirit, God's love, God's presence, God's priorities, God's hope. Breathe out and share that love with the world we meet every single day we walk out our front door. Test your balance. When I feel like my life of pursuing intimacy with the Father is out of kilter, it's usually because I maybe have lost my balance in this part of my life. One way or the other, I've done both. The 24-7 prayer movement, we call it a movement of prayer, mission and justice because God has called us to practice breathing. Breathing in in prayer and worship. Breathing out in love, mission and service. How is your balance Come near to God and he will come near to you. That was the invitation we started with. It's an invitation I want to accept 
every single day of my life. And I will still have an L plate stuck to my chest as a disciple of Christ when I pass away at whatever age that happens at. (laughs) Because I never want to think I've got it wrapped. I never want to rest on my laurels and go, do you know what? Me and you, God, we're good. Because every day, God still wants to bend down and whisper something in my ear. And if I'm too busy or if I'm not making space for him, if I'm not craning my ear to listen, if I'm not drawing near and leaning in, I'm going to miss that. I never, ever want to miss one I love you moment. And I never want to run out of the love of God to share with others. I'm going to wrap it up because I've gone a little bit long and I'm so sorry, guys. My prayer and my hope is that something in all that I've said today or something in what you've prayed or something what the Holy Spirit said just sparks a little something for your walk with him. Just a little spark that can ignite, build a new rhythm, draw you closer, help you hear the whisper. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to stick around. If anyone wants to talk or pray or just say hi, I'd love to do that. So I'll be here. Holy Spirit, it has been so good just to stop and meet with you. Thank you. Thank you for each and every person in this room and that each person could stand up here and talk about how they connect with God and teach each of us something new about you. Lord, this weekend, for each and every one of us, the time we've got left here, would you inspire us? Would you whisper to us? Would you draw us close? And would you help us respond? Lord, I want to pray particularly for like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when the rubber hits the road and when this phenomenal time together here at David's Tent ends. Would you give us a new connection, a new intimacy, a new fresh friendship, a new way to dig into you and a way to take that love, that presence, that hope and to breathe it out over the towns and the people we are in and love and meet. Amen. Thank you, guys. You've been really awesome just going along with it. Thank you.